You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. I had a story about Palm Sunday to share with you before we get started today about a little boy. His name was Sammy, and he was he was so excited about going to church on, on Palm Sunday, but he couldn't go. He was sick. He had a sore throat. So the family got a babysitter. They, they let him stay at home during church because he wasn't feeling well or whatever. But when they returned uh, home, the family was carrying palm branches. The little boy said, well, what in the world are those for? He said, well, people held them over uh, Jesus' head as he walked by. And so Samuel was really puzzled, and he said, wouldn't you just know it? The one Sunday I decide and can't go to church, Jesus shows up. But Palm Sunday, like we said, is the day that we celebrate Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, uh, where he rode in on a, a donkey, and people celebrate and wave palm branches. A lot of elements going on in that story, and so we're going to unpack that a little bit uh, today. But it marks one week before his resurrection. Uh, and so it's an important note in the story to, to celebrate today uh, that is Palm Sunday. It's a reason to celebrate. It's a reason to get excited. It's a reason to look back. Uh, In the Old Testament, it even says in Zechariah 9, it says the coming of Zion's king. It says the king is coming to you lowly and riding on a donkey. It tells the story before it happens. Isn't that so awesome how the Bible works together and tells the story sometimes before it actually happens? And so it shows that Jesus is going to come in on a donkey. It suggests that, that Jesus was declaring that he was the king of Israel coming in uh, to this ride. And so we're just talking about all these great things uh, today for Palm Sunday. We're going to be reading today uh, from Mark chapter 1. Everybody say Mark chapter 1. If you'll turn there in your Bibles, or either we can look on the screen when it comes up, we're going to read it in just a second. But Palm Sunday, again, like I said, is very important. And it's important to remember this. The donkey is referred to as an animal of peace. When Jesus rode in on the donkey, he was saying that there was peace. He was ushering in peace. If he'd have rode in on a horse, it could have said something completely different for that time period. Wouldn't you agree? A horse is often seen as as a warrior's ride, a ride of someone who's going to conquer and fight and take over through through power. Well, that's not the ride that Jesus had chosen. That's not the ride that was prophesied. He rode on a donkey, which is a symbol of peace. And that also further symbolizes Jesus as the Prince of Peace, as the Bible calls him uh, when we're, we're talking about his birth. Isn't that exciting? But a Prince of Peace, a King of Peace. So let's look at Mark chapter 11. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 today through 11. That's a lot of ones. Mark 1, 1, 1 through 1, 1. That's how it looks on my paper. <laughs> That's why I had trouble saying it. Come on. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at Bethany and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they had brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed 
shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word Hosanna literally means save now. It was a cry for help uh, in people of distress. It was a cry that they had cried out to Jesus saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's also a term of endearment and respect and reverence. Their hearts, when he rode into Jerusalem, were a different position. And it gave way for the people to give Jesus worship and adoration before he was sent to the cross. But there was also a case of mistaken identity here. There were some Jews that missed Jesus. As we know throughout history, the Jews still haven't found their Messiah yet. We can know that they missed the coming of Jesus as their true one Messiah. And if we're not careful, we can too. So the Jews wanted a king and they wanted deliverance, but they wanted it how they wanted it. They wanted it their way. And many times we can also make uh, mental pictures of what Jesus should be to us. Maybe I need a new car. Jesus is my provider. Maybe I need to be healed from this thing and, 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 and delivered from this thing and He's your deliverer and healer and He is all of that. But if we're not careful, Jesus had become one of those things instead of all the things we need. For example, with the Jews, they wanted peace through a political system. They wanted salvation without a sacrifice. They wanted a cure for all of their troubles. Listen, if you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, He will give you peace. He will give you strength. He will give you deliverance and healing. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. They were looking for an easy way out. And the same thing can be said of us today. They wanted a king, but they didn't want the kingdom of God. And so we've got to be careful in our life. Because if you don't have a right perspective of who Jesus is... You can set yourself up for a crisis of faith. If we don't have a right perspective about who Jesus is, we can set ourselves up for a crisis. And the only way to find out more about King Jesus is to how? Read about Him and walk with Him daily, right? That's the only way we can find out more is to study God's Word, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, to read it, to promote it, to make it our life. So Jesus did come as a king, but He was unlike any other king that had ever come in history. Look throughout history and see all the kinds of kings we know. We'll talk about some in a minute. But all the kings we know, all the leaders we know, none were like Jesus. Aren't you glad? None were as cool as Jesus. Jesus is cool, right? Jesus is a good God. He's a good father. He's a good uh, son. Obviously, he exemplified that. And he paid the price for our sins. So point number one this morning is this. Jesus, He was the King of Peace who would bring reconciliation. He was the King of Peace. When Jesus came in, like we said, He rode in on a donkey, not on a horse. He, he came to bring peace. Because normal kings rule through power. They rule through takeovers. They take over land. But Jesus, when He came, did not do any of those things. He said to His disciples, the first thing, I will make you fishers of men. He wasn't worried about conquering land or territory or taking over somewhere. He was worried about souls and winning and 
bringing peace and reconciliation to man. He even spoke to the waters one time and he said, Peace, be still. Reconciliation literally means to restore relationships. Wouldn't you say that Jesus came to bring peace and restore relationships between God and man? And also man with each other? Jesus came to bring peace in all kinds of ways. In ways we probably can't even fathom or know how. Because he was bringing that reconciliation. And I'm certainly glad for that. Because in the Old Testament, uh, if it weren't for the king of peace to bring reconciliation, we'd still be sacrificing an animal for our sins. Jesus came, the Bible says, at the purest spotless lamb. The lamb that was slain. If we didn't have that, we would still be sacrificing. So he brought reconciliation. And as we mentioned earlier, the Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace. And Prince, if you know anything about that word, comes from, and the word principle comes from it, and that really means highest rank. So he's the highest ranking officer of peace, if that makes good sense. Jesus is the highest ranking. So guess what? In our life, when we have trouble, when we have anxiety, when we have things we're worried about, Jesus is the highest ranking officer of peace. Jesus is on your side. He is the king of peace. He can give you peace. The Hebrew word for, for peace is shalom, and many of us hear that around. But it's often used to refer to an appearance of tranquility and calmness uh, to individuals, maybe groups, and even nations like Israel. But Paul uses the word uh, in Greek that actually means unity and accord when he's talking about peace. So it's really cool to see that the deeper meaning of peace can be found in unity and accord. And when we're following the king of peace as a church, guess what? We're in unity with one another. When we're following the king of peace, we're in unity with one another. Now, Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, peace how we might view peace. It doesn't necessarily mean peace holding hands, singing kumbaya, right? But working together for a common good, a common purpose, a harmony, a unity in times of turmoil and discord. You know, one of the best examples of peace as a nation uh, that I can give from my generation is on September 11th following those events. We saw a lot of movement uh, for peace, churches working together, people, community working together, trying to gain a common goal of just strong being together, coming together as one uh, country, as individuals, as Americans, and just as humans, trying to bring, bring peace, uh, peace together. So not only was Jesus a king of, of peace, but he was a king who was on a rescue mission. He was a king who was on a rescue mission. Now, one of the most popular rescue missions uh, on television, I think, today would be the movie Black Hawk Down. Uh, it's a really intense story about a group of rangers who were out in the military field, and they were doing reconnaissance. They were actually going to take down two head leaders of a terrorist cell in Somalia, and they got hit. Uh, one of the helicopters went down. They got hit with an RPG. But... I'll just read this 
really briefly uh, synopsis. Task Force Ranger began an operation that involved traveling from their compound on the city's outskirts to the center with the aim of capturing two main leaders. The assault force consisted of 19 aircraft, 12 vehicles, and 160 men. The operation was intended to last no longer than one hour. Shortly after the assault began, Somali militia and armed civilian fighters shot down two UH-60 Blackhawks, and the operation to secure and recover the crews extended the initial operation uh, into an overnight standoff and daylight rescue operation. So the battle resulted in 18 deaths, 73 wounded, and one helicopter pilot captured among the U.S. raid party and rescue forces. At least one Pakistani soldier and one Malaysian soldier were killed as part of these rescues. American sources estimate between 1,500 and 3,000 casualties, including civilians. Now that's a rescue mission that we know of from a movie that makes it look all, in, I don't know, Hollywoodish, if you would. But it was quite scary, a rescue mission, a rescue mission that was scary. And one of the, one of the rangers that was actually in that battalion is now a chaplain uh, because of that event. And uh, Jeff Struker, I think, is his name. Anyway, he, he is a, a man who's fighting for now uh, God, right? Because it was a rescue mission that he knew was more powerful than even the one he was in. And even in John 3.17, it says this, For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus was on a rescue mission to save souls. Jesus was on a rescue mission to save lives. And that's also what he called us to do. He called us to continue that rescue mission, to promote the good news of Christ, the gospel, and to rescue people. Everything he did, the cross, everything he did in life, was to reach more people, was to rescue people from the trap of sin and death. Because we're supposed to follow that. And if we truly believe that, if we're truly following Jesus' commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then the second is love your neighbor as yourself, then we will want to rescue people. Would you agree? We would want to rescue people just like King Jesus is on a rescue, me, uh, rescue mission. As much as I can describe it like this, it would be easy. Uh, in the lifeguard world, you and I would be the person who's throwing out the rope and the lifesaver ring. And that lifesaver ring is Jesus. It's the only thing that they can hold on to that will give them life and that will give them hope. Because we can't do it in and of ourselves. They can't do it in their human strength. We need something stronger than that. And that's where that lifesaver Jesus comes in. That's where the rescuer comes in. So not only is he a rescuer, but he was a king, point number three, who established an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is everlasting. Isn't that good news? It's good news if you're a believer because it doesn't affect uh, politics. Sorry, politics don't affect the kingdom of God. Opinions don't affect it. You know, people's thoughts on Facebook. Did you know that everybody's got an opinion but very few got answers? Anybody ever notice that? Man, I spend all day reading some terrible ideas. Nobody's got answers, but everybody's got an opinion. Oh, we shouldn't have done that because we should have done this. Well, let's see you do it. You know, everybody's got an opinion, but that doesn't change the gospel. That doesn't change the kingdom of God. It stands forever, right? Matthew 4.17 says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. John the Baptist also said that in his message before even Jesus came. 
repent, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming near. When we do that, when we focus that the everlasting kingdom is just that, everlasting, our perspective in life changes. Our perspective about small things change. Look, you can get upset, real upset, over somebody taking your seat. You can get real upset over the, not, the selection of music or the volume or all kinds of things, or even at home. if you, or you She's on my side of the bed, or she, she took my toothbrush holder, or, or she, she messed with my razor. And she, you know what I'm saying? You can get real upset about little stuff if you're not eternally focused. And that's where it gets complicated. That's where it gets hard. Because we're not of this world. Our, this world is not our home, even though we're blessed to be here. Our goal is to, to promote the eternal kingdom. You know, we've, we hear of a lot of kingdoms, right? The animal kingdom. The magical kingdom. Disney, right? We, we, we in our culture are, are shown lots of kingdoms, political kingdoms. you got three of them. Executive, <laughs> legislative, and judicial kingdoms. I mean, we've got a lot of kingdoms if you think about it. However, there's one eternal kingdom that never changes. There's one eternal kingdom that's never swayed. Jesus said in John 14, 2, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place, here's the important part, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am. Now, isn't it exciting that Jesus included us in his eternal kingdom that never changes? He includes us and says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back and you will be with me in my presence. Isn't that awesome? That's something to get excited about, but it's not just enough for us to get excited about it. Because if we, don't, if we get excited about it and keep it all in, nobody else gets to share in that excitement and that wonderful gift that God has given us. Because it didn't cost us anything, did it? To accept Jesus, it didn't cost us anything. Maybe some pride, maybe some reputation or something like that. But as far as working towards salvation, there's nothing we can do to earn it. And so in that, we ought to offer it freely to others as well because it's an eternal kingdom and it's in a kingdom that he established as a king. And this morning, the last point is, is probably one of the, the most important points. As we close today, he was the king, Jesus, who defeated the enemy not by might, but by the cross. He was the, he was the king who did not defeat the enemy by might, but he defeated the enemy through the cross. When you think of powerful kings, you might think of King James. King James Version. That's just the first one that came to my mind when I was writing this. And King James wasn't that holy of a guy either, folks. Anyway, King George. You know, some other people that weren't called kings were, were great leaders was Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar. We have all kinds of leaders and kings in the Bible, uh, in history, excuse me, that conquered places with power and with military might and with knowledge and all these things. But isn't it awesome that our King Jesus defeated death, defeated hell, and defeated the grave with nothing but a wooden cross? A cross that means something. A cross that you and I need to know what it means. A cross that you and I need to share with our families and our co-workers and people we come into contact. Those were people that defeated the enemy with power and authority. 
But Jesus had a power and authority that encompassed all that and over uh, through all that. Colossians 2 says this, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled us the charge of indebtedness which stood against us, and it condemned us. But he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He triumphed over them by the cross, not by his power, not by his might, but by his humility, by his administering of the peace, of the sacrifice. And when people see the cross in that culture, they knew it was a sign of sacrifice. They knew it was a sign of death, a torture device almost. But just like Jesus came into the earth in a lowly stable, not in a celebration, not in pomp and circumstance, not in all these great uh, fanfare things as a king would. He came in as a lowly stable, uh, in a lowly stable. And he also left the death on a cross. It was a gruesome death uh, on an instrument of torture. And just like Jesus bore the cross, the Bible tells us in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And the very next verse says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Would you stand together today? I'm talking about King Jesus. King denotes a reverence when you address someone as King. You know, I heard somebody pray to King Jesus probably about 12 years ago. And it struck a chord with me, and I use it from time to time because it denotes power, it denotes authority, obviously, but also a reverence and respect thing, I think. And when we talk about Jesus as King and all the wonderful things that He is, the peace, the everlasting kingdom that we talked about, and then the, the, the king who defeated the enemy by the cross. It's powerful to think that unlike earthly kings who rule in that way, Jesus ruled through an instrument that nobody expected. It was unexpected for him to die on a cross to a lot of people. And the Jews still missed it, right? He was right there in front. But today as we sing, we're going to sing a celebration song after we get done praying. And in the words of this song, it says, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. But my concern is, is that we're not living that way. We don't live in a way that shows the power and magnificence of the cross at any time except Easter. We talk about it a lot around Easter time, but how do you live it out? How do you live it out? Do you take up your cross daily, like Matthew 16 says, and follow Him because it's a daily conscious decision to take up your cross and follow Jesus? And maybe you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is as your personal Savior. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus and you're discovering Jesus. And we want to just encourage you to take this time to continue learning about Jesus. But know that Jesus is someone who does not condemn you. He wants to save you. Just like that first verse we read, John 3, 17. 
Many people know 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his own. But not a lot of people know verse 17 that says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that all the world through him might be saved. How awesome is that? Today we're going to celebrate that. But before we do, I'll ask our prayer partners to come and our pastoral uh, staff, whoever can come to the front. Today, if you need prayer in your life over any situation, if you need to accept Jesus today, we would invite you to do that. If you have a need that you you know you're not taking up your cross daily, Come to the front. Let's pray together. Let's agree together in the Lord's name that He's going to give you the courage and the strength and the boldness to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18-20. Go into all the world and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Even on Palm Sunday, it's all about the gospel. Would you agree with that? Father, today we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, that was sent to this earth God, in a lowly manger. God, in a stable where there was no room for them in any room in. But God, you raised him on this earth. He came to this earth as the Prince of Peace. And today we celebrate his entry into Jerusalem, Lord, as people worshiped him and shout, Hosanna, save us, God. We, we re- revere you. We respect you. We're giving you honor. So today, Lord, we bow and we humble ourselves and say thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the cross. Thank you for the gift of the resurrection. God, in the eternal kingdom that we have because of the king of of peace. And so today we ask that you would come in this service, Lord, and begin to speak to hearts right now. Holy Spirit, speak to us what you have us do. In Jesus' name, Lord. Move in this service. In Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.